What is up, college baseball fans? Thank you for listening. We have a great show ahead of us. We have our first guest of the season, which happens to be a big one. So you guys might want to stay and listen to it. Um, we are also going to release our top 25 here in a second. And we're going to break down a potential Golden Spikes award matchup that we got to see on Friday night. Um, as well as we're going to break down all the ACC action that took place. We're going to talk about some SEC teams who might be struggling a little bit. And uh, we're just going to talk about just the crazy weekend that we had. So you guys stay with us. And it's going to be a great episode. The one-two to Hallmark. Swing and a miss. And the Buckeyes are Big Ten Tournament champions. March 9th, 2020, and we want to thank you guys for listening to episode 14 of the 2020 season so far of the 11.7 podcast. My co-host is here. Dimitri, say what's up to the fans. What's up? What's up? As you can tell, we're both pretty pumped about what we saw this weekend, and we got the pleasure of spending the last hour, hour and a half, putting down our new top 25 that we're about to release. Um, But... We are also going to have a guest at the end of the episode, and it's going to be none other than Quinnipiac's catcher, who everybody on social media saw get ejected from the game against Mississippi State. We have the pleasure of interviewing him and letting him tell his side of the story, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be at the very end of the episode. Um, his name is Colton Bender, and you guys are really going to like Colton. Um, hey, he, from, from what we've already talked about, we already talked to him a little bit, or I did, um, I don't know if you did, Ben, but uh, the dude's got some energy. We, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to him. He's got, uh, he's got a lot of things to say. He, um, let's just say, he wants to clear the air. Yeah, he wants to use this as his platform to clear the air, and that's what we provide. We provide players and coaches a free place to speak to the fans of college baseball. Absolutely, and that's what we're here for. Um, but Demetri, before we release our top 25, do you have anything you want to talk about that you saw this weekend other than, um, some catchers getting ejected or actually, you know, what? I'm going to start us off. I have something I want to talk about just real, real fast. And this is hilarious to me. When I was watching Texas A&M versus New Mexico state, the battle of the Aggies, it, it was Saturday night and New Mexico state was up four to one in the sixth inning. 
runner on second and third, and we tweeted the video out, so you guys can go back and look on our Twitter. The announcers for the A&M, the announcers for A&M were talking about how they just wanted a single here, keep the rally going, and home runs are rally killers, right? And we've all heard that before. And in mid-sentence, the announcer is like, yeah, we, he just needs to hit a single here. A home run would really kill the rally. And boom. Boom goes the dynamite. This ball gets blasted off the scoreboard. Off the scoreboard. And the guy's going nuts going around the bases. And the only thing I can think of is, how is this killing momentum? Like It's like his teammates in the dugout were upset to see the bases clear and it go from a three-run game to a one-run game. How funny is that, Dimitri? I thought it was hilarious when I saw the video. I mean, Connor McGregor is way up from home plate to the dugout. Yeah, and just does the Connor McGregor strut from home plate to the dugout. A&M's going nuts. Hey, and Hey, no pun intended. It was notorious. It was notorious. And that some people believe that home runs can be rally killers. Okay, that's their opinion. We're not here to change that. But what I can say is after that moment, A&M hit everything on the barrel and ended up winning the game, coming back and winning it. That's what it's all about, right? It's it's awesome to see these kids hit balls 400 feet off the scoreboard, go nuts for each other, and then that's what keeps the momentum going. So that's the only thing I wanted to say. Get that off my chest. I thought it was absolutely hilarious how mid-sentence this uh, – and it didn't help that his name was Boomer. So the annou- the other announcer, the, the play-by-play guy is like, like, okay, Boomer, like if that's your belief, well, they you just hit who, one. You, know who, you, know who, you remember Boomer White? Yeah, I know Boomer White. He's a, he was a stud at AM. I actually played against him in junior college a bunch because he was at uh, San Jacinto, I believe. San Jack. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was that Boomer White? It was Boomer White in the bo- in the press box. Oh, man. No, I feel bad for, for capping on him a little bit, but uh, it was just amazing. It, it, you could have not drawn up a better scenario, and that's what college baseball is all about. And I loved every bit of it. And if you guys have not seen the video, go look at it on our Twitter because it is priceless. But anyways, moving on. We're going to release our top 25 right here. We're going to go straight through it. We're going to go straight from uh, 1 to 25, and then we'll go back around and kind of break it down into segments of five. We'll talk about each team and why we felt like they they belong there. So, Dimitri... I'll give you the pleasure since you beat me in our weekend pick'em contest hey, to do one through five. You. I didn't just beat you. I kicked your ass. Yeah, you did. And it's it's embarrassing, but it's just going to make this comeback hey, that much sweeter. And on the, on the uh, current standing? I mean, I would rather not, but if you really want to, go ahead. I mean, all I got to say is I'm 9-2 I'm and two on the season. Ben, you're 4-7. and seven. I have a five-game lead that will not be relinquished anytime soon. That's all I got to say. Yeah, a five-game lead's kind of tough because we only do like four or five series a week. So it's going to be a two- or three-week process for me to get this lead back. But, um, yeah, I went 0-4 this week, right, which so is a bummer. Five or one? Let's go one through five. You got the you got the honor of doing it. Number one, none other than the Florida Gators. 16-0, and swept South Florida this weekend. Um some of y'all were screaming overrated when we put Florida at number one after their, in the preseason when they were number, I don't know, they were top five or something. Everyone was screaming overrated. Um, they went and swept the number one Miami, took over the number one spot, and haven't looked back. They're playing great baseball. Are they the most talented team in the country? We'll find out if SEC play gets going soon. But right now, they're the best team in the country. They're the most consistent team. They're 16-0, the only team undefeated left. 
At number two, Texas Tech. Uh, those guys, they went on for 5-0 and on the week. But, man, Ben, they Wait. gave up 12. They gave up 12 runs to Rice. Dimitri, D. I don't know if you if you just went off on a limb and doing this on your own now. But I said, let's just go 1 through 25 straight through. We'll come back around and talk about it. Oh. Yeah, you uh, you weren't you weren't paying attention there, no, kid. No, I was not listening. Do you not want to do five and five and five? Yeah, well, we'll just go straight through it, one through twenty-five, and oh, then all right, okay, we'll go back around. Back five and zero, oh, number two <laughs> team in the country. Damn it, Ben! <laughs> At number three, we got the Bruins of UCLA, two and two on the week, or thirteen and two on the year. At number four, the U Miami is three and one, eleven and four after sweeping. Um, a red-hot Pittsburgh team. At number five, Ole Miss comes in. We jumped them over Georgia at six. Ole Miss is just playing lights out. I mean, Yeah, they're rolling people right now. They're hitting singles. They're hitting doubles. They're pitching. They're, they're doing everything. Ole Miss comes in the week 4-0. and They're 14-1 on the year. Georgia at number six, 3-1, and and 14-2 and on the year. Ben, am I still going? Or are you re-breaking it up? Hey, if you want to keep going, you're, you're doing a great job. Well... I appreciate your <laughs> approval, um, but go ahead. I'm handing it off to you. All right. All right. Read option here. Here we go. So number seven, we got Vanderbilt two and two this week. They played a tough tournament in Los Angeles uh, and they're, they're 12 and five right now. Number eight, we got Louisville three and one this week. Now they're 12 and four on the season. Number nine, the Duke Blue Devils jump into the top 10 for us. They're sitting there at number nine, three and one this week, 12 and three on the season. Number 10. This was a tough one for us. We didn't know who to put at number 10. We decided to put Mississippi State at number 10. They're, they went 3-0 and this week, 10-4 and on the season. Number 11, NC State. They went 2-2 two and two this week, and they're 13-2 and two on the season. Number 12, the Oklahoma Sooners. They're 4-1 and one this week, and they went 13-4. and four, or Sorry, they're 13-4 and four this season. Dimitri, you got number 13. I was about to say, buddy, you're, you're stepping over the line there. Um, on this number breakdown. Number 13, Tennessee. The Volunteers went 2-2 two and two on the week, and they're 14-2 and two on the season. They lost a brutal home series to Rice State, who was also swept by Mississippi State. At number 14, we got Florida State. They're 2-2, two 10-5 and, two, and five on the year. They lost a hard-fought series, won the blowout today against Duke and Durham. Number 15, Arizona State. Five and zero, oh, thirteen and four. They started the season off rough, Ben, and now they're they're rolling. Um, yeah, sixteen Arkansas, two and two. They're nine and five on the year. Lost the opener to South Alabama. Rough, rough patch for them. And off to you, Ben, number seventeen. Seventeen. We got the UCF Knights, four and zero oh this week, fifteen and two on the year. Eighteen. We have the LSU Tigers, four and zero, oh, eleven and five. 19, Texas A&M Aggies, 4-0, 14-3. Number 20, Texas Longhorns, 3-1 this week, 13-3 on the season. Dimitri finishes out. Coming in to close it out, uh, 21. The new, they are entering the rankings at 21, UC Santa Barbara. The Gauchos went 4-0 and 13-2 on the year. Number 22, Auburn, 3-0, 13-3 on the year. At 23, Pepperdine. Stays right where they are at two and two on the week and twelve and three on the year. Number twenty-four, another new team, the Fighting Irish from South Bend, Notre Dame. Go three and zero on the week, ten and two on the year, and twenty-five Long Beach State. Go two and two, ten and five on the year. 
Alrighty, now we can go back around and we can do some analysis on each on each team. Um, we'll start with number one because I think we'll spend a little bit of time on number one because you already did. Um, but yeah, Florida, the Florida Gators, by far the, the most consistent team on the year. They've swept Miami, who we have at number four. They've beaten everybody. They they play really well. This is a completely different team from last year. Um, we have, I mean, we had no choice to put them at number one. I think they'll be a number one on every single poll out there from all the different media sources. So number one, Florida Gators. Number two, Texas Tech. Dimitri tweeted about it already, but Texas Tech had to come back twice against Rice. The poor Rice Owls played the best baseball they've played all season, and they still get swept by Texas Tech. That's a talented club. I think they lead the country with 16 wins, too. Yeah, they have 16 wins, right? Now they're tied with Florida. Oh, you're right. Florida's also 16 and a dumb dumb. Uh, I'm a big dumb dumb. But yeah, Texas Tech, they have a lot of young talent. They can hit the ball out of the ballpark, but this week they really just like they just scored runs every way possible. I know Rice made some errors, but um, that's a really talented team. UCLA number three. They just finished up a game now that we're recording it against USC where they just boat raced them. But UCLA, they lose to t- uh, TCU this week, but and they also lose to UC Santa Barbara. I forgot about that in the midweek. They got blown out. But they beat Kumar Rocker Friday night, 3-2. to two. They have, I mean, they just have a ton of talent. They're, they're the best team on the West Coast by far. Let me say something real quick. Yeah, they go for it. back Saturday, and everyone could be like, oh, they lost TCU. You know what? Honestly, I don't even care that they lost TCU. Like I, I, like, I pretend that game doesn't even matter. When you get super hyped up on Friday night for a game against Kumar Rocker, Bandy, defending national champion, probably one of the top arms in the country, that's why that's why there's theory. That's why you have three games on the year on the weekend. You win two, it's a successful weekend. UCLA was hyped up. They they put, they rolled everything they had out there to beat Vanderbilt Friday night and Kumar Rocker. They came back Saturday on a quick turnaround. So what? They played a closed game. They lost. Big deal. At the end of the year, UCLA will be playing. TCU will not. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. Even and TCU is very talented too. Let's not let's not forget that. I mean, we I, dropped I, them from the I top twenty-five from TCU, but I don't think you can hold it against UCLA too much. Right. No, absolutely. Um, number four. Go ahead and talk about Miami, Dimitri. That's your team right there. Miami. Um, at number four, three and one, they lost to FAU. They got blown out like eleven to two or something. Whatever. Big schools. We've talked about it enough. I'll say it again. Big schools don't care about midweek. It means more to the mid majors to smaller schools. Whatever. You got to win them, or at least keep it close. You got to win them, but not going to win all of them. They went on the weekend, swept. They kicked the shit out of Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh was like, I think they were like ten and one on the year coming into the weekend. Couple good wins. Miami just blew them out um today it was four to two in the eighth inning miami put up 10 in the eighth blew them out routed them ball game end of story go back to pittsburgh yeah dude um i know pittsburgh actually kind of kept it close on friday night it was five four miami won in the 10th i think maybe the i don't know ninth or 10th but i was surprised with how good pittsburgh actually was corral hit a missile to right yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Terrell's a beast for Miami. Pittsburgh's going to do some damage, I think, in the ACC. Obviously, playing Miami opening they're gonna weekend. Play, hey, they're going to play. They're going to play spoiler. They're just going to uh, and ruin their season. Yeah. Um. But they're a pretty old team. I didn't realize that. They had a lot of juniors and seniors starting for them. 
And that, I mean, that goes a long way once postseason baseball starts. Those guys have been there, done that before. Um, anyway, so we have Ole Miss at number five. So rounding out the top five, Ole Miss at five. This team has, they've won 14 straight since the opening night loss to uh, Reed Detmers in Louisville. And they have not. If that's your only loss in the year, I think you're a pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, some people could even argue that they're they should be like number two in the country. Their one loss was to the probably the best pitcher in the ACC and Reed Detmers. He's going to be a first round pick this year, and we've seen Miami just put up a ton of offense. And of course, they haven't played the best schedule, but you know they put up eight, fifteen, eighteen, and fourteen this week on people. So that offense is clicking on all cylinders, led by Doug Nikhazy on Friday night. And then they have probably the two most recognizable players in college baseball with uh, Servideo and, and Cale Baker. Like, those guys are just characters, and we love watching them play. So we had to put Ole Miss in the top five just because of what they've done this year. And I know this isn't college football, but a quality loss to Reed Detmers on Friday night, opening night of the season. Um, six through 12, or so let's go six through 10. Georgia, Georgia just... You know, continues to win ball games. They're 14 and two on the year. They lose their midweek to Georgia Southern, but Dimitri talked about it earlier. These midweeks mean mean so much more to the mid majors. Uh, they go out there and try to win those games just for recruiting purposes. And Georgia Southern threw all their good arms, beat Georgia six three, and then but Georgia bounced back this weekend against a pretty bad UMass team. Won five nothing, sixteen to two, and six nothing. So they didn't have any trouble this weekend, but um, we liked Ole Miss's schedule a little bit more as far as the season as a whole goes. So that's why we had them jump Georgia. We have Vandy at number seven. And Vanderbilt already has five losses this year, which is tough. But their losses are to pretty quality teams, I guess you can say. Like they went two and two this week. They whooped up Central Arkansas midweek. And then they lose two one-run games to UCLA and USC Friday and Saturday. Come back today and walk it off against TCU. The the main thing I want to talk about Vanderbilt and Dimitri, I want to hear your opinion on this. Is Austin Martin, who's going to be a no doubt first team All American, maybe you know a, maybe a top five pick overall this year, the shortstop for Vanderbilt. He gets pulled in the after his second at bat on Friday night against UCLA, and some people are saying that he's got hurt, and other people are saying that it's actually um, Tim Corbin, he made Tim Corbin mad, showed the coach up. And so we can talk about that a little bit. I got a DM from somebody that's going to remain da- nameless, but they said that they talked to Vanderbilt players and the Vanderbilt players were acting dumb. And one guy even said, oh, he, he's actually just getting the weekend off. He's been playing a lot of baseball lately. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that that kind of raises a red flag of whether... Oh, hey, Ben, Ben, quick, quick interjection here i just looked up the tennessean i guess the main one of the major newspapers in tennessee had the headline vanderbilt baseball deals with austin martin injury and consistent hitting at sec slate approaches it says here center field or yeah and it says center fielder austin martin that's right he's been playing center field oh yeah that's right i forgot about that yeah no you're right um are partially to blame for the disappointing road trip, lack of hitting by the lineup. Um, it says 
it said the headline said injury, but then it doesn't talk about anything about the injury in the article. Yeah, some people are saying a hamstring injury, and then other people are saying no, he made somebody mad. Um, no, showed a coach the up. The headline says injury, but it said nothing about the injury in the article. So that means there's something going on. Yeah. Um, so maybe a phantom injury, maybe something that is a teaching point. But if anybody knows the answer to this, let us know. Like DM us the moment after you hear because we're very curious. He's a stud, and he did not play in a, probably the biggest non-conference weekend they have all year. And we're just we're a little curious. But Vander, Vanderbilt falls in at number seven. Number eight, Louisville. Louisville went three and one this week, and they're eleven and four on the season. Two of those four losses were to number five, Ole Miss. Louisville, they lose on a walk-off homer against Wake Forest when they were actually winning that most of that game. Um, I think Chris Lanzilli hit a home run in the eighth to tie it up, and then in the ninth or tenth, I forget the guy's name, but he hit like a four hundred foot homer to win it. But they beat them 16-4 today, and it was just a mess. Like, I, I had to turn that game off. It was getting so boring because Louisville just kept having base runners on every inning. And so Louisville, they look like a good team. Luke Smith, our boy, if you guys remember from the College World Series last year, dropping some F-bombs. He looked good today. That's a good club. We're excited to see what they're going to do throughout the rest of the ACC action. Number nine is another ACC team that has kind of showed us a lot this year that we were not expecting. Obviously, we knew Duke was going to be a good team, but we didn't know they were going to be this good. So, Dimitri, go ahead and talk a little bit about Bryce Jarvis for us, the, the stud Friday night pitcher so, for the Duke Blue I Devils. Think our Friday night podcast, our Thursday night podcast, we made our picks for the weekend, right? Right. Yeah. So basically, I said that we, I said that Florida State was going to find a way to beat uh, Bryce Jarvis, and they were going to win a series. Boy, were you wrong. You can't say it like that. I was wrong, (laughs) but Bryce Jarvis took another no-no to the seventh, eighth, whatever it was, the seventh, and then lost it on back-to-back pitches, lost on a wild pitch strikeout, by the way, that the catcher did not do a very good job of blocking. with a slider down the way, or, yeah, with a slider away. He dropped down on one knee, arm was still in the air, glove was on the ground. Just a piss-poor job of blocking. Ball got away. So he lost the perfect game there. Still had the no-no. Line drive the left fielder. The left fielder took a few steps back, misjudged the dove, trapped the ball with his glove. They called it a hit, and there was your, uh, your no-no. So in back-to-back pitches that were easily, easily preventable. Um, so who knows? He could have another perfect game and no-hitter. Yeah, because but it was actually at that same – it was at the Bullen, or the Durham Bulls ballpark, and he threw a perfect game two weeks ago against Cornell, right? Same state, same place. Same stadium. They're playing at the Durham Bulls ballpark, opening weekend of ACC play, and he is absolutely cruising Friday night against Dude, against Florida State. I watched I watched a good amount of it. He he does a really his tempo is incredible. The right. Way he just, the way he just gets the ball, gets back on the rubber, toes it up, gets his Rick and wristband sign or whatever, goes. Fastball command was really good, but his breaking ball was good. But it, the thing is. Is he plays off his fastball so well. That's why it's so good. It's not the greatest breaking ball, but it plays off his fastball really well, and that's why he's having the success he's having. But Duke's got a whole pitching staff. They all look great. Today, Florida State took it to, took it to the woodshed. Um, yeah, but they kind of had to. Florida I mean, State looked bad all week. I mean, even even they, against Mercer, they that, didn't look great. Not that they looked bad. Duke pitching just dominated. Yeah, that's a good point, but – Duke's pitching staff has, has just been known this year for 
shutting teams out. I think they have like six or seven shutouts already. So that's a that's something that played into effect of why we put them at number nine. Um, moving on to number ten, Mississippi State. This we didn't know who to put at number ten. We really didn't. We spent the longest time trying to figure this out. Mississippi State probably should have lost on Saturday. Um, there was that the strike ball call. Nobody knows exactly what it was, but I'm gonna that, go ahead and say it, Ben. I'm gonna say it right now. Then we'll talk about it more when when he comes on the show. But that was a strike. And that was a strike. I agree. Like, like I don't care about hurting people's feelings. You can argue with me. That was a strike. No, I, I agree. It was. It definitely crossed the plate as a strike. And people are saying the frame job was bad, but it, it was a tough if, pitch if, to frame. If, if anything, if anything, if we had to blame one person in the whole ordeal, the pitcher missed his spot badly. Yeah. But it was still a strike. The umpire cannot. This isn't the big league. The big league, you can punish a pitcher for missing a spot and not getting a strike call. That's fine. But umpires here, you got to pick one. You're either going to call it like a college game or you're going to call it like a big league pro game. And they don't, which is Look, why people are so mad. This is, the, this is the best way to put it. And we'll move on because we're going to talk about this at the end of the show. But I guarantee you if this was not Quinnipiac playing Mississippi State, if this was LSU or Auburn or a, you know, a big-name SEC team, that's a strike all day. But there was a little bit of home cooking feeling that I think the umpire kind of wanted to make that game interesting. I didn't want to go down that road because I don't want to assume and make statements like that. But it, it would just be tough to argue with that this, point. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> All right. That, I mean, that's fair enough. Um, so 11, we have NC State. NC State absolutely dominated Coastal Carolina 24-7 to in the midweek, but then go and lose two at Virginia. They lose two out of three, and the two games they lost, they lost by four and seven. So Virginia kind of had their way with NC State. Um, I don't know if it's a wake-up call for NC State or if it's a maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Maybe they were just beating up on bad teams. Who knows? We'll find out the more the season goes. Number 12 is Oklahoma. Oklahoma went four and one this week. They had a big midweek uh, win against Dallas Baptist. And then after losing Friday night to San Diego State, who we have ranked, I think, third or fourth in the... Uh, we have them ranked pretty high in the mid-major poll. But they come back and win two games in a row Saturday, Sunday. And now they're you know they're sitting at 12 in our poll. And they look real good. And we saw them play last week at the Shriners Classic. They look good there. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I don't know if Oklahoma's going to win the Big 12. But right now, it's going to be between them and Texas Tech. And TCU and Texas and Oklahoma State is a lot. Yeah, well, they're they're in Baylor as well. They're they're kind of a tier below, but so far what we've seen this year, I like Texas Tech and and uh, Oklahoma as my two favorites. Um, and then thirteen Tennessee, kind of the same thing with NC State going to this weekend undefeated, and then they lose two out of three. Except Tennessee loses two out of three to the Wright State Raiders, and Wright State is a pretty good mid-major team. I'll give them that, but. If you're Tennessee, you cannot lose two out of three at home to Wright State. You have to take care of business. Let me say something about that. Terrible weekend for the balls. Bad, ugly, brutal, whatever adjective you want to use for it. I'm, I want to see what they do next weekend. I'm not going to hold this weekend too, against them too much. Could Whatever. They slipped up. Whatever. I want to see what they do next weekend. Yeah. No, I do too. Well, uh, and, and, I'm gonna really, I'm going to hold it against them. 
SEC play starts next weekend, so this is this is where the big boys really show up. Yeah. All right, moving on. We got Florida State at 14. Florida State, um, you know, they, they beat Mercer, our, our old alma mater, both Dimitri and myself. Uh, they beat them on midweek, 9-8, like 11 innings. And then they go and lose two out of three to Duke, but they were both one-run games. And they, they absolutely destroyed Duke today by eight runs. So we felt like Florida State, they beat a really good mid-major team in Mercer. And then they, they beat, they go to Duke. They go to Duke and lose two one-run games. Who knows? If those games are at Florida State, they probably win one of those two games just because they're the home team. So Florida State looks really good to start the year. Arizona State at 15. Arizona State went 5-0 this week, and they beat Cal State Fullerton twice, 12-2 and 9-3. And then Fresno State, they swept. So that's a good sign. Looks like the bats are getting hot. They're heating up again. Yeah, and they need to because if everybody else is hitting, they're forced to pitch to Spencer Torkelson, who is, I think, arguably the best hitter we've seen in college baseball in a long time. Um, Moving on to 16, Arkansas. They're 9-5 and this year. And if I'm not mistaken, those five losses all came in a row. They got swept at the Shriners College Classic last weekend. They lose a midweek to Illinois State, and then they lose Friday night Big time to South Alabama, thirteen to six. Um, so nine and five on the season. Not where I thought this Arkansas team would be. And a walk off from Kirkstad. Yeah, they needed a walk off from Heston Kirkstad today, which was really cool to see. I mean, whenever he gets a ball, it, it just freaking flies off the bat. Um, but at this, if you would have said at the beginning of the year, March 9th, where do you think Arkansas would be in the rankings? I would have said top five. Top five easily. Easily. Um, but they're sitting at 16 right now. Some people might think that it's good that they're not playing good ball right now because they're going to save it for the end of the year. Because I do think they're talented. I do think they're, you know, one through nine, their lineup sits with anybody else in the nation. But we'll see. We'll see if maybe it's a fluke. Maybe they don't have the starting pitching that people were worried about. Losing Isaiah Campbell on Friday nights is a big factor trying to replace that because. Dimitri, how good was he last year? He was good, dude. He was a pitcher. He wasn't a flamethrower. He was a pitcher. Yeah, he, he really – well, he kind of threw pretty hard too, though. But he, you're right. He would spot up and had control of three, I mean, four what, pitches. 92-93? Yeah, but it was like 92-93 with sink and run and cut. And, but if I'm saying he was a pitcher. He wasn't He wasn't just some 98 freaking guns blazing. He would – in and out, up, down, breaking ball off speed, behind head and counts, whatever. He was pitching. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so Arkansas at 16. UCF we have at 17. They went 4-0 this week, 15-2 and on the season. Beat Jacksonville midweek 6-0, and then only gave up two runs this weekend to Butler. And sure, Butler's not great. But, you know, it just proves that UCF keeps – competition. Yeah, People keep, I mean, UCF already swept Auburn this year. And, you know, they're going to be probably the team that people are shooting after in the American Conference. But the American Conference is really good this year. So hey, it's going to be a battle. I think, can we make a bold statement right here? Did East sure. Carolina win the conference? Hey, between East Carolina, UCF, Tulane, and then you got Houston, UConn, Cincinnati, who else am I forgetting that's in there? Um, it doesn't matter. The, the The American Conference is loaded this year. Absolutely loaded. 
at 18, we got LSU. LSU? I didn't watch any of LSU's games this weekend. To be honest with you, I haven't seen much of LSU this year. Well, they just have played kind of a weak schedule so far. Like like weak schedule, I haven't seen much from them. They're 4-0. They took care of business this week. Yeah, Um, but, like, you're not going to catch me watching an LSU versus UMass Lowell game. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to waste my time watching UMass Lowell play. I don't have too much star power this year. We'll we'll catch them. We'll catch them soon, soon enough. And then 19, we got Texas A&M. That was, that's the matchup we wanted to talk about, Ben. Yeah, so Asa Lacey versus Nick Gonzalez Friday night. But before we get there, Texas A&M handled business this weekend. There was one close game in there. Um, on the weekend of the whole, Texas A&M steamrolled them. They blew them out. New Mexico State, people are saying they're overrated. They're not that good. They're still a good team. Just Texas A&M better. Right. And so Friday night, we got the pleasure of watching two potential top uh, top five overall picks and two Golden Spike favorites match up against each other. And it was between Asa Lacey, left-handed pitcher, up to 98 miles an hour for Texas A&M, and Nick Gonzalez, who's leading the country in pretty much every category, um, shortstop for New Mexico State. Both of these guys had a lot of success this summer, a lot of hype leading up into the preseason. And once the season started, they both excelled already. And we got to watch Friday night, second or third batter of the game, Asa Lacey just absolutely blew Nick Gonzalez away. Uh, just You could tell both guys were pretty amped for this situation. Scouts had their radar guns out. They had their notepads out. And Asa Lacey had his way with Nick Gonzalez. I said on Thursday's show, this, this at-bat might have a million-dollar swing for both players you know if nick gonzalez hits a double off the wall boom hundred thousand or probably five hundred thousand dollars more for him ace lacy five hundred thousand dollars less but it went the other way you know the the dominant strikeout was what ace lacy needed ben do you remember the bet we made on nick gonzalez Thursday night yeah over under one and a half home runs he went two for ten on the weekend with two singles yeah, that was that was bad. That was a bad bad bet on my part. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought he was gonna gonna get at least one. Hey, I'm get, I'm getting a little too used to winning over here. I know, I know. Well, it all the only wins that matter are late in the season, and I'll be ready then. I'm still in spring training mode. I don't need spring training. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Um. All right. So moving on, number twenty, we got the Texas Longhorns. They swept Cal State Fullerton this weekend. The Augie Garrido series. The Augie Garrido series. Cal State Fullerton, not as good as we thought they were in the beginning of the year. But whatever. So 21, we have UC Santa Barbara. They have played a really good schedule, including beating UCLA midweek and sweeping Oregon State this week. I'm sorry, but when you're 13-2 and two and you win those four games in one week, gotta, we got to put you in the rankings. And they got up to probably number 10 or 11 last year in our rankings. So it's a good team, really good program. Just they've built it kind of from the ground up in the last 10 years or so. And and they deserve to be 21, I think, in our rankings. 22, we have Auburn. Haven't seen too, like Auburn play too big of a schedule besides that UCF series where they got swept. We kept them in the top 25 because they're 13-3 and three this year. But they played Chicago State. And I don't know if I even knew Chicago State was a Division One program until this week. They were, hey, 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 relax. They were a regional team last year. Were they? Yes, they were. No way. 
UIC Flame. No, Chicago State, not Illinois Chicago. Ah, uh, that's on me. Yeah, I was like, hold on. I don't think Chicago State's making any regionals. In fact, I think they're like bottom five RPI last year. Ew. Yeah, ew. Um, wrapping up the top 25, we had Pepperdine 23. They went 2-2 two and two this week, but they did beat Michigan 2 out of 3 in the weekend series. Uh, we had to drop Michigan from the rankings because I think they're like 8-7 and seven this year. And sure, they've played a tough schedule, but Michigan has not looked good this year. Oh, never mind, never mind. That's the same team that, like, Baseball America ranked number one week two. Do you remember that? Dude, Baseball America had Michigan top ten until, like, this week. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. They don't watch the games. That's just them plugging it into a computer. We have the eyeball test going on. We're watching 15 games a day, flipping back and forth on ESPN3, or watch ESPN, whatever it's called now. Hey, how about another name, dude? Yeah, Notre Dame definitely fit the eyeball test this week. And Notre Dame, I have their schedule pulled up right here. They've put up 14, 11, 8, 9, 10, 13, 9, 12, 9, and 7 in like their last 10 games. These guys can hit. They're, they have a new head coach this year who actually... Hey, you want to know something cool? What's that? Their, their, lead, their leading power hitter, Nico Cavada. Greek boy. He's a Greek guy. Um, of, of course he is. He's a Greek god. I've, I've talked to him. I've talked to him a little bit, but uh, he was the Cape League home run leader last summer. Well, how about you get him on the show, man? How about we give him a little interview? Show some Greek love. We can. We can. He uh, he played for Hardwich in the Cape, led the Cape in home run, came back in the RDS six on the year. Um, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, they, they, they haven't made the regional since 2015. I went through their schedule. This is the best start they've had in a while. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to be, you know, contenders or pretenders in the ACC. But opening weekend sweep at North Carolina, that goes a long ways into me believing that you're the real deal. So, put Notre Dame at 24. Who knows? They might not see the rankings the rest of the year, or they might jump up all the way to number 10. Who knows? But we had to throw them in this week. And then 25, we had Long Beach State. Long Beach State went two and two this week. They lose at San Diego State on Tuesday. But and then win two out of three against Xavier. Xavier's not a bad club. Um, Xavier beat them two to one today, so that's their one loss on the weekend. But we still think that the dirt bags are the real deal. They've played a very tough schedule. I think like I think fifteenth hardest in the country, and they're ten and five, so that's a good sign. Um, so there goes our top twenty-five for the week. Uh, we broke it down for you guys. Make sure that you guys understood why we put everybody where. Um, some things that we need to talk about, Dimitri. How about this Quinnipiac catcher that we're about to interview, Colton Bender? Hey, he's actually ready in a couple minutes. We'll get him on the show going. Yeah, so it's 11 p.m. Eastern time right now. He said Definitely. he just. I don't know. Who, I don't know exactly where they're going, but they're in Georgia, traveling from Mississippi State. They just checked in the hotel. So hey, for you fans listening, travel don't stop. The grind don't stop on Sunday. And by the way. Ben, what are Mondays for? Mondays are for the off days. We actually just partnered with Foul Pole Sports and, and produced some flags for that. So any college baseball player out there. Go grab that, you a flag, put it up in your dorm room, your house, whatever. Every like I would say 90% of college baseball players have Mondays off. And Mondays are for off days. That is a fact. But um, So Quinnipiac, I was trying to pull up their schedule, but I completely got sidetracked. Anyway, so if you guys haven't seen... Our video that we posted on the 11.7 Twitter has got how many 
like over 800,000 views, almost a million views on the uh, Colton Bender's ejection. Over 900,000 impressions. Over 900,000 impressions. It went completely viral. Um, some big name accounts retweeted it and made their opinions on it and stuff. So our job as college baseball analysts, reporters, whatever you want to call us, is to get it straight from the facts. So we decided to hit up old Colton Bender, who sat out today with a suspension, and we're going to interview him and just kind of pick his brain on the whole situation to make sure that his voice is heard because what the NCAA does a bad job of is letting the players speak out on opinions. So uh, they want to kind of hush this thing. For some reason, they don't like the whole injection thing. They You get suspended for that game and the game after. So they stupid. But yeah, and he had absolutely every right in the world to be upset. Dimitri and I both both agreed that that it, the pitch was a strike, and we're not afraid to say it. But they're playing at Furman on Tuesday and at Kennesaw State Wednesday, and then they go down to Florida A&M for a three-game series coming up. So I guess that's why they're in – are you sure they're in Georgia and not South Carolina? You told me Georgia. All right, well, if you – I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. They're going to probably stay in Atlanta, drive up to Furman on Tuesday morning. Because it's only like a three or four hour drive. Oh, yep, yep. And come back and stay at the hotel and play Kennesaw. Yep, you're absolutely right. That's a good point. And then after the game, we'll go down to Tallahassee. What? Well, we'll talk to him in a minute. We'll be we'll get him on the show. But yeah, besides that, we have. If you guys have any questions, reach out to us on social media. And uh, if you haven't seen those two videos we talked about, go look at them. Great for college baseball exposure. Almost a million people watch these videos it's crazy but anyways we're here to grow the game you guys have anything that you want us to do or have opinions on let us know hope you guys enjoyed the episode now you guys enjoy this interview with colton bender catcher legend and beast from quinnipiac and, and the newest friend of 11.7 and the first player interview of 2020 let's ride let's ride all right what's up 11.7 fans we welcome on absolute legend of a human being, Quinnipiac's catcher, Colton Bender, who we all saw and everybody on social media saw um, get ejected. But he's here to tell his side of the story and use this as a platform to um, kind of teach some lessons and life lessons for some uh, maybe some younger players out there. And we've been talking to him for the last 20 minutes. He's a great dude. So you guys are going to love this interview. Uh, Colton, go ahead and introduce yourself. <clears throat> What's up, guys? Uh, I'm Colton. I'm a catcher at Quinnipiac. And... Uh... I got ejected yesterday for the first time <laughs> in my ever life. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So what? Uh, go ahead and just like kind of break down the story for the people who haven't seen it. Um, we're as of right now we're like twenty thousand, yeah, twenty thousand views away on Twitter from a million, like one million seven digits. That's crazy to us. We usually get about a thousand views per video. So just kind of break down the situation. Uh, so basically, uh. Coming from Quinnipiac, we're uh, a lower Division One school playing Mississippi State yesterday uh, on a Saturday second game, and we we're winning four to three, bottom nine, uh, one out, guy in first, and there's a three-two count, and I called an outside fastball, and our guy had a little ASR, ran inside, stuck it, and 
I thought it caught the black, and the umpire did not agree. So I freaked out, and <laughs> now ninety thousand. Not 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 hundred fifty thousand people saw it, and I got suspended for a game. So that's basically the background of that. We can go yeah. more into the preceding events, but uh, yeah. So you, you kind of touched on it. This is a big game for a program like is it Quinnipiac or how do you pronounce it? Quinnipiac. 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 You can't pronounce the second I. Okay. Like Quinnipiac. Got it all the way through. I'll try. I'll try my best, but no promises. <laughs> but. Um, Dimitri and I were also low-level uh, Division One players, so we know the importance of these games, especially on a weekend series. This isn't like a midweek game that means nothing for Mississippi State. This is a game where they're trying to figure out how to you know, sweep this series to help their RPI. If they lose this game, it's not good on the whole RPI situation. But um, you guys had the lead, right? Was it 3-1 yeah. at the time? or 4-3? Four 4-3 four three. Four three at the time. Runner on first, full count one out so if yeah. the the situation swings tremendously in mississippi state's favor if this is a walk and it swings right. tremendously in your favor if it's a strikeout so it's right. the biggest call of the game by far and the pitch i mean i've, I've watched the video a hundred times it, it was clearly a strike and right and we saw a lot of people on social media go back and forth about you know whether the frame was bad or whether the, the umpire didn't give it to him because he missed his spot Bottom line is college baseball, and Dimitri's going to talk about this in just a second because he was a pitcher in college baseball. A strike is a strike, right? It, this right. isn't the major leagues where the umpire can punish a pitcher for not hitting a spot. Um, this is Division One baseball, but still not professional baseball where a strike should be a strike no matter where it crossed the plate. The batter right. knew it was a strike, pitcher knew it was a strike, and you clearly knew it was a strike. And it kind of <laughs> felt like the umpire, in a way, knew that Mississippi State was like the heavy favorite here and at home, and he was going to get more backlash from the fans if he called it a strike because it, it, he clearly missed the spot by 17 inches or so. And right. so, Dimitri, kind of dive in a little bit about, you know, as a former pitcher, should that have been called a strike or like what would. What would said it all right there. I mean, it was a strike. I mean, he missed his spot. He reached across, duck it on the inner half of the plate. It's a strike, it's a strike, but I mean, it's not, it's not the concept of it being a ball and strike. It's the fact that it's the magnitude of the call. Yeah. Um, he, you did a good job of sticking it. I mean, we're not going to get into too much catcher mechanic, but it was a strike. You felt that way, and you let him know. Um, there's ways to go about it, which you're about, you're about to talk about. I'm sure you've heard so many different sides of it in the past 24 hours about how you go about it. Um, I think the college baseball really needs to figure out, are they going to call it like a big league game or are they going to call it like a college game? Are you going to give uh, pitchers two inches off the plate, up, down, in, out? Or are you going to call it tight, like a, a big league game? And they're doing both. You can't do that. You can't have a pitcher throwing Friday night in Mississippi State in a tight zone and then going back to Quinnipiac and being, you know, a five-by-five five foot square because that's not helping the game. Umpires right. are changed, but you've got to have – I mean – Everybody wants a uh, robotic computer strike zone. Those are going to be the same in every single game. Umpire would be to do a better job of being consistent across the country of what a strike zone is. Yeah. And so, yeah. So obviously you kind of, I mean, it's, it's safe to say you lost your cool for a little bit, right? It, uh, 
Yeah, I'd say so. Go ahead, go in about it, about your what what was running through your head. You know, we we've talked about what happened. Now just go kind of go into what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I am a very uh, passionate player, and you can ask just about every player, every coach I've been a part of and played with. Um, that's just who I am. It's my persona. Um, and when I, when I get into situations where I know we can prove a lot of people wrong, my intensity level skyrockets, no matter, right. no matter where I am. Um, it could have been ECU last year. Uh, it just happened to be this year uh, at Mississippi State where I, lo- I got to my threshold, man. And that was my, that was my breaking point, exactly. And, uh, you know, I lost my cool. Um, but what I want people to understand is I had my pitchers back because of what I thought. I'm not going to bash the umpire. I'm not going to uh, say he made the wrong call. Um, because ultimately it was his decision and I cannot change that. Um, but I, I thought I stood up for what I thought was right. And, uh, and it was evidently, uh, (laughs) thinking it was a strike. Um, Right. And, uh, you know, it didn't work out too well for me. And so basically, you know, coming from a player, uh, I want to tell younger guys, and this is what I told uh, the guys on the bus after this happened, um, I said, listen, um, this goes directly to the, to the younger guys on this team, the freshman, sophomore. I said, listen, you cannot act like this. Um, this is not how you're supposed to act on a baseball field, especially in, in, a, in a late game like this. Um, you know, I was trying to stand up for a guy and, you know, I got the, you're standing that, up for Quinnipiac. Right. Right. Quinnipiac. And, um, you know, to, I wanted to show people, not not really show people, but I wanted to just let, I needed to let my emotions out because that's how strongly I felt about this game because of how close we were to beating a number 12 team in this, in the country. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and, and probably the number one fan base in the, in the country as well. The oh, Mississippi state oh, yeah. fans are great. And I know we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but I want to go back a little bit. This is the most probably important pitch of the game, right? And so right. there's a lot of emotions. Point in time, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions going on. And, and you know as a catcher, when it leaves the hand, you know for the most part if it's going to be a strike or ball. So when, right. you, ca- when right. you stick that pitch, and for the people listening who never caught, the backhanded, like across your body, you can't really frame no. that. It's the, it's, hardest, it's the hardest it, pitch to catch in baseball. By and far. And that's what... And that's what people on, uh, you know, I, I was reading through a lot of Twitter stuff and we know, were, he, he didn't frame it well. And this and yeah, that. you and can't frame you know, that pitch. It, it drives me nuts because, you know, I was set up outside and he missed his spot, but I did the best I could do with that pitch. Absolutely. That crossed the plate. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, and for all the catching gurus out there that were, you know. yeah. <laughs> they catch their seven-year-olds <laughs> bullpen in the backyard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> coaching staff. Yeah. Um, and so hey, you, I would go to say, take me through, like, like, let's say a freshman coming in, catcher, whatever, position player, doesn't matter. They're coming in, they're in the same situation, you know, Mississippi State, Arkansas, whatever. What, what would your initial reaction after he threw you? Was it just, okay, I'm going to walk off the field or am I, am I not, I'm not done yet? Like, take me through your, your mind, your emotions, your mindset when you realize, yeah, I just got my ass tossed. Uh, so 
I was still heated for about five minutes after it happened. Uh, I think I may have thrown my glove or something and then went straight to the hallway out of everybody. No one was there. Um, might have thrown a garbage can or something. I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, important. Yeah. What would you have done differently if you could go back and do it again? Would you have kept walking forward from home plate? What um, would you have done differently? Uh, so what I would have done or, or, or you don't have to do anything differently. Uh, I mean, if I did something differently, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be here. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who are backing me up and saying what I did showed a lot of balls. Um, and a lot of people supported what I did. Um, looking back at it, I wouldn't have done it. You would have done it. On, what I, what I would have done, um, I would have kept my mask on, looked straight, said a few things, and then ended it right there. Um, what I did wrong, and he probably wouldn't have thrown me out, and the reason he threw me out is because I turned around and pointed. Right. That was the last thing. And you, and you cannot, and this is to the younger guy. Oh, no, he felt threatened. Right. And you cannot turn around, take your mask off, and show the umpire up. Um, it's disrespectful to him. And, uh, it, you know, it doesn't show great sportsmanship. Um, but And he probably you know, knew he missed the call at yeah, that he, point. No, no, he wasn't he, out there yeah. trying to do it on purpose. I mean, all the yeah. home can say, oh, they're home cooking. Yeah. I'm not going to say yes or no, but that guy did not think about all those things in that split second of making that right. call. Yeah. He didn't right. think, borderline pitch, I'm giving it. No. He just, yeah. It was tall, and then he probably thought about it when he went home. <laughs> but, you know, that's the beautiful thing about baseball. Right. And – I don't want electric strike zone. Yeah. Because um, that no, happening is part of the game. Brawl is a part of the game. Fighting, arguing, ejection. Bobby Cox wouldn't be Bobby Cox without his 500,000 ejection. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> the other thing I can't stand is the uh, the wristbands that pitchers wear. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I want to touch your perspective <laughs> on that. Please. Yeah. Uh, I can't stand it. It's... It's almost like I, oh God, I have so many opinions you on do it. it but, do you? Huh? You guys do it? No, we don't. No. So no. let me ask you: Are they? Are they? So coach is going three, four, whatever. His numbers. Yeah. Catchers looking at it and pitchers looking at it. Yeah. So here's what happens a lot, and it happens to me. So say say the uh, the, uh, the pitching coach gives you three, four, one, mm-hmm. right? You look at it, and you get the wrong pitch. Now. He gets it and gets yeah, a different right. pitch. So at least if I get the pitch, right, just from the pitching coach, I can relay and get the same pitch. Otherwise, if we both screw it up, it's even worse. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, if you so, screw it up, only one person's screwing up. It also just looks terrible. It looks childish. It just, they, look like, they look like position players on the mound. It yeah. looks like the ninth inning of position players coming in to pitch with his wristband still on. Yeah, but yeah, so so that's my opinion on it. But yeah. you know, um, <laughs> no, I mean, we we had a whole segment on that one episode where I forget. Yeah. So, hey, so so basically, the whole big thing, the big hot topic was, I want this guy to catch for me. I want this guy to be my catcher, whatever. You feel you still feel like you had to do what you had to do. You can't say right or wrong because I mean, at the end of the day, maybe your reaction was wrong. But you have your right. pitchers back and your team back is the most important thing to you. It was for uh, me. Listen, uh, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions out there in Twitter, and I was going to say this to you guys. 
I am not an advocate for Twitter. I usually stay off of it just because of how opinionated it is. Right. Uh, everybody thinks they're Twitter. everybody thinks they're important. Twitter. Right. Exactly. Um, and people have their stuff, and I'll give that to them. Let them have it. I'm just not gonna be a part of it. Um, but the one thing that I would like to tell people is my teammates, family, and coaches are the only opinions that matter to me. Exactly. And they're all on my side. And to be honest, I think that's all that matters to me. So Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, so I wanted to touch on this just real quick. What, like, who was the first person after you cooled down who, like, you talked to or, like, approached you? Like, who was the guy that, like, came up to you? Like, and what did they say, if you feel open to explaining that to us? <clears throat> uh, was it a coach or a player or maybe your mom or dad? I'm trying to think back on the, on the situation here. Um, I think it was, it was my coach actually. Um, it was, we were, we were eating dinner. This was an hour after the game. Cause I, I wasn't talking to anybody. Yeah. Um, and you know, people were high five me, like slapped <laughs> my ass, whatever on the way out. But no one was really talking to me, um, about the, about the, the play until I got to dinner and, uh, my coach called me over and, um, you know, enlightened me on the situation and, uh, you know, told me a few things, you know, what I could have done differently. But he said, uh, in reality, it showed true, true grit and, um, yeah. you know, what, what kind of player you really are um, and how passionate you are towards the game. And, you know, that's what I want people to take away from this, not the other aspect of me freaking out and looking like a crazy person. Um, because I, I truly believe it was, uh, you know, it was heartfelt because it, you know, just kind of it really was. Way. It was. There was nothing about it that was fake. It was all authentic. You could right. tell, like immediately, that you've been this player your whole life. Like I'm sure, all the way growing up from little league to high school, travel ball, that you take the game seriously and like it's important to you. And right. dude, it would not surprise me one bit. And I don't know if you want to go like the pro ball route, but you definitely caught the attention of hundreds of scouts out there. Like, you know what? This is a guy we want handling a pitching staff. And mm -hmm. like, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if you get a call in June. Um, but like, let's talk about this for a little bit. Like what, after baseball, like what are your plans, um, going forward? Like, what do you, what are you getting your degree in? Like, what do you want a job to be? Uh, like yeah. kind of tell us about the personal life. Cause you're, you're a really good dude. Like you're a nice guy yeah. that I think anybody would, would love to hire one day. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, you know, basically, you know, your start, health science, health science, um, on a PT track, uh, with a, a minor in entrepreneurship. Awesome. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, my main route is uh, I want to get drafted. I want to I want to play professional baseball. Um, oh. That's been a, you know that's been a dream since I was a kid. Uh, but I also have different routes just in case that doesn't work out. Uh, like I said, I could become a PT. Uh, I could be an entrepreneur. Um, I could do uh, business. You know, things like that. Like, you know. You know, I'm a very uh, a personal person, and uh, yeah. I, I feel like that could work in any aspect of any job. I'll, you know what? The other thing is I want to be a coach. Yeah, I could totally see that. You already got yeah. the look right now with the Oakleys on top of your hat and like, the hoodie on. You look like a coach yeah. already. You just got back from the game tournament coaching. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, so definitely being a coach of some sort. Because, you know, I, I don't know if I can get away from this game, man. To be honest with you, like. You yeah, know, I've been around guys, for so most long. guys show fire like that, they're not the ones that are walking away easy. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, man, and I'll tell you this. 
I got I got uh, suspended today for uh, for a game because of what I did, and it was the worst thing I've ever went through. Being right. on the sidelines, watching my boys play and grind out and trying and almost be, they they were ahead in the fourth fourth inning, four three or something like that. And, you know, I was on the edge of the dugout, like, screaming. And, like, <laughs> I just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I have that feel of just being around, like, uh, around a bunch of baseball dudes all the time. Like, I don't know if I can get away from that. Um, it's just it's just who I am. You know what I mean? No, I love that. Dude, I love that answer. Um, and especially, like, being suspended at the coolest place you're going to play at um, in college <laughs> baseball. Like the, the, yeah, definitely going to play there, yeah. The stadium yeah. is incredible, but – um but yeah man we really appreciate your time is there anything else you want to say before you get off because we've enjoyed it man this has been a great interview and i think our listeners are going to love it yeah uh the last thing is um you know i i think people have seen the, the twitter feed and and whatnot and there was a few things that were said um on behalf of our school by quinnipiac barstool and you know i just want to uh, tell people um what they said does not accurate accurately represent um our school and what we do um they were saying fans at mississippi state are, are terrible people whatever they said and they are the nicest people you will ever meet in your entire life they they open up their arms to just about everybody uh i was walking around the quinnipiac shirt on today and there was guys hugging me shaking my hand giving <laughs> they're, me food. they're, they're, they're great people man they're great people and i want people to know that um you know, coming from our program, from Quinnipiac University. Uh, and, I, you know, I really appreciate you guys allowing me to share, you know, my experience from yeah. Mississippi State and putting Quinnipiac on the map um, to show people, you know, what type of people we really are. Right. I mean, yeah, no, that's uh, what we're here for. We're, we're two mid-major guys ourselves, and we just want to have a platform for college baseball players to, you know, talk about their experiences, whatever it was. Um, we've had some people. this weekend ever. Yeah, no, it's 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 a <laughs> lifelong memory. And I see the video one day and say, "Damn, Dad!" Yeah. <laughs> the, that's definitely going to happen. But um, dude, we yeah. appreciate the time, and not a lot of people know this, but Quinnipiac was a regional team last year, and we expect you guys to be back somewhere this year. How cool would yeah. it be to be at Mississippi State for a regional? Wow, uh, you'd be ready. You oh, would yeah. be the most I'd popular player there. I would have. I would have no nerves. I would have nothing. I'd be. I'd go in there with a lot of fire, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of these guys would would as well. Um, ready to go. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna switch this season around. Um, Absolutely. Really, after this, this weekend, weekend it. this is it, man. This is our turning point. Uh, you know, this brought a lot of guys together, and I think this moment on is gonna be uh, the turning point for our season. And no I, doubt. I, I, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold true to that. So, uh, well, cool, man. Well, you, we yeah. we appreciate having you on. I know Furman and Kennesaw State and Florida A and M they have some trouble coming their way because you guys are going to turn this season around, uh, yeah. and you guys are going to be playing for each other. You guys know what hey, you're all about. Careful. Hey, be careful down in Rattler Dome, Ben. <laughs> Florida Florida A and M Rattler Dome is a tough place to play. I'll let you I'll let you know that in advance. But um, yeah, man. Well, enjoy your off day tomorrow. Um, Enjoy just being around the guys, man. It's it's something Dimitri and I would trade for anything right now. We'd just be back in college baseball. So enjoy it and stay in touch. If you are anything, let us know. Let us know, man. Yeah. We're we're we adopted Quinnipiac, man, or Quin. All right. Quinnipiac. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. Come on, Quinnipiac. 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 There it is. There it is. All right, man. There it is. Yep.
Right, we appreciate yep, 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 it, guys. Yep. All right.